welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Okay, what God means to me. Who'd like to go first? Billy. I'd like to go third. Alrighty. Who's feeling brave? Missy. I'll go second. Great. Does anybody want to go first? I'll go. Okay, come on up here, Sheldon. Let's hear what you got. I've spent the last week studying what people believe, and I've come to a conclusion. And what's that? I'm starting my own religion. I'm sorry, what? I'm calling it mathology. It's based on a universal binary system. That's terrific, Sheldon, but this is a Baptist Sunday school. I know. I'm here to convert everybody. Any takers? Okay, let's go have a talk with your mom. The only sin in mathology is being stupid. Welcome to the Church of Mathology. Today I'd like to talk about prime numbers and why they bring us joy. Welcome to Church at the Well. My name is VJ. I'm the lead pastor here. And we are starting a mini series that we are calling Unbelievable, an unlikely and unexpected journey of faith. And that is actually going to be uh, sustained by a conversation with my dad here. You, his, his name is Sunder to most of you. He's dad to me. Um, and over these next four weeks, we're going to be talking about um, four different aspects of your journey, of his journey that uh, when I think about it, even though I've grown up with you, sort of saying, yeah, that kind of is unbelievable in the sense that it breaks the categories of how we normally think um, about um, growing up in one religion, but actually finding faith uh, in another way. Um, someone who is a person of faith, also being a person of science, which is your background. Someone who is working in science, actually becoming a minister and just aspects that we'd say, oh yeah, that kind of breaks our categories. And here's what my hope is for you as you watch this or maybe send it to people that you think would be interested in it is that sometimes if you are a person of faith, you're to realize and hopefully be inspired, like God is actually breaking outside of the categories that we think in and that each of us has a story that is constantly unfolding in ways that we might think, yeah, that's kind of unbelievable. How did that happen? Because God works in ways that are so much bigger than our uh, plans and our dreams for ourselves. And if you're someone who's not a person of faith or you have a different religious background than uh, one that follows Jesus, that this would be something to you that says, ah, oh, maybe I should consider something I haven't considered before. Maybe I've put parameters and sort of put God or the way he mm -hmm. works into a box and that those things need to be opened up. So, Dad, thanks for being willing to do this. Oh, for, my pleasure. Yeah. yeah, joining me for this conversation. We've had many, many conversations over the years. This one's more public. Yeah, now. I know. Um, I want to begin with uh, your journey to faith. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in university or even in high school, and I'd talk to other people about my faith, because I grew up in a home uh, that raised me to know Jesus, they would say, oh, well, you're a Christian because you were raised in a Christian home. And if I had been raised in your home, maybe I would believe, but because I wasn't, I don't. And I understand why people say that, but of course, in your story, in your journey, it was different. You grew up in North India as a Hindu in a Hindu family. Um, so tell me a little bit about just kind of where that, just to locate uh, you in that story. Yeah, you know, growing up, I think I, was, I would say in one sense, religion was everywhere and nowhere. Now that might seem like a contradiction. What do I mean by that? Well, India was a secular state that I grew up in and people had freedom to worship. And my friends were Christian, Buddhist, uh, Muslim, uh, and myself from a Hindu background. So it was everywhere. But 
It at the same time, it was nowhere in that I don't ever remember as with my friends ever talking about our religion or our faith and even in the home for that matter. There was no systematic teaching of any kind saying you are this kind of a faith or that kind of a faith. So that's what I mean by everywhere and nowhere. Everyone took God for granted. If I mentioned the word God in a conversation, that would not be awkward like it might be here today. But that's about as far as it ever went. Sports, games, school, and as we grew older, friendships, these were the most important things in our life. Mm. Uh, which sounds like, in many ways, the world my kids are growing up mm. in. Um, that Their school, they are, it's not only a, a pluralistic sort of faith context, but um, uh, most of their friends are from very different ethnic backgrounds. Some of them weren't even born here. And mm. so not only do they have friends from different religious backgrounds, they have friends from different ethnic backgrounds. And that might actually describe, um, you know, many of you even uh, in your workplace, or in your school, or in your neighborhoods. Um, and yet uh, things started to shift for you. I mean, so beyond sports and school and all of that, trying to be a good Indian mm -hmm. kid and get a good job and do well in school and all of that, things started to shift for you in this exploration of faith. So tell me how that began to happen. You know, I'm going back 58 years and so it's hard to remember all the details, but I think because I was wired with a curious mind and uh, reason and logic were important. My mother tells me I had always wanted to be an engineer. I don't know why, because my dad wasn't one, although I had two uncles who were. And so my favorite subjects were science and mathematics, not, not uh, biology and stuff like that. And so the why questions were always very important to me. So somewhere around 14, 15, 16, probably driven by guilt because I was beginning to experience the emotion of guilt around that time, you know, because you, you, I didn't do everything my parents told me not to do and vice versa. So when I did, I'd feel a bit guilty about it. And so I began to wonder, is this guilt real or not? I had my friends who sometimes do the same things and never talked about guilt. And so I began to ask questions like, you know, how do we know God exists? Is God a figment of our imagination that we have created to explain things that we can't explain? They call them the God of the gaps today. And my parents basically, you know, they said, look, uh, we didn't ask questions like that. We simply accepted whatever we were taught. And not being enough for me, I began to explore the subjects a bit more. Not systematically or rigorously, and my parents were quite happy. They didn't say you shouldn't be asking questions like that. So I was quite free to read what I wanted, talk what I wanted to. So those were the early motions of movements in that direction. So I remember you telling me, I think from the first time I heard you talk about your journey of faith, you were going to this event, you were basically going because you thought there was going to be some food that yeah, you were exactly, going to get yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you expected you were going to hear something about the Christian religion. Right. And instead you were surprised by what you heard. Yeah. And so what was that? And yeah. how did that really open a door to a new faith? Right. As I said, as you said, I, we went there because there was going to be good food. I didn't even know what I was going to hear. Other than I knew it was a youth rally as such. And I did know something about Christianity, like other religions as well, you know. I knew the names of the holy books of the various faiths, and uh, one went to a church, one went to a mosque, one went to a temple. Uh, and I had my idea of Christianity. My parents gave me books, to, stories to read, the great stories in the Bible and the great stories in, in other faiths as well, you know, including the one that I grew up in. But it was all still religion, you know. It was various ways to attempt to keep God happy. 
God might be angry with you if you did certain things. God expected you to behave in certain ways. And you did what was needed to please God so life would go well with you. It was all about blessing, you know. Yeah. My offerings to God and my worship of God was so that things would go well with me. Or, or to appease him so we wouldn't be angry. Exactly. Yeah. So those were the common <laughs> Which elements. Which is so interesting because no matter what the religious background, it feels like that's all somehow we, we all figured yeah. God is and yeah. therefore religion helps us to figure out yeah. how to stay blessed and not get cursed. Yeah, in that I think karma is not just an Eastern concept. It seems to be buried deep within all of us, okay? Yeah. I've done good karma, hopefully. I've done bad karma. Hopefully the good outweighs the bad. Everything will be okay. You yeah. know, where I grew up, the vegetable fellows would come in and they'd have a balance. If you wanted two pounds of beans, they'd put two pounds of beans on one side and put a two pound weight on the other. And our hope was good deeds on one side, bad deeds on the other. Hopefully the good outweighs the bad. Mm -hmm. That was basically my understanding. Yeah. But here I began to hear for the first time, not about Christianity as a religion, which I was somewhat familiar with, but about Jesus as a person who made some personal claims upon my life and who kind of sat some popular concepts right on their head. Mm. So... We talk about here at the well that, you know, Jesus didn't come to start a new religion, but to actually end religion altogether mm -hmm. and to invite people from all different religions to see that all of them, in a sense, were pointing towards right, him. Right. So as you came to that realization, I obviously 50 something years ago, but even now, how have you seen that whole idea of Jesus at the center and not religion that has changed things? For yeah, you? I think because the common factor in all religion was we attempted to bridge the gap between us and God. I mean, what is guilt? Guilt is just a gap between where we are and where we think we should be, you know? And so I want to get close to God in some way or another. That is buried within each one of us, right? And so all religions, call them by whatever name, they represent different ways of trying to get to God. Hmm. And here... It was God coming to me mm. and not to invite me to behave in a certain way, but to get to know him as a person. Mm. And of course, even a few moments reflection should make us think, although I don't know how much I understood at the age of 17 and 18, we're actually transformed by the relationships in our life, right? And so this was very interesting to me that God could be known and that he is coming to invite me. Mm. It's not me climbing up a ladder. He climbed all the way down, if you will. Yeah. Mm. So that brings um, me to, I think, three aspects of Jesus that I find so categorically different than, let's say, any religious construct. One is what you mentioned, mm. this idea of um, relationship. And you said something. I hope you heard it. It was a mic drop. We are transformed by relationship. Right. And suddenly Jesus reveals to us God coming to have a personal relationship right. with us. Um, that's the first thing that I think is just so categorically different than a religious system. Mm. Or even if you'd say, well, I'm, a, I'm an a-religious person. Right. I'm just going to try to be good, you right. know, for, for its own sake. Or that's probably how the world works best, right? This is something different. So how did you see that affecting your own life, saying, okay, God is actually coming to have a relationship with me in Jesus? Well, I understood, for example, uh, something about sin and grace. You know what I talked about guilt earlier on? I mean, guilt is the feeling that comes when you say when you're not where you should be. Mm -hmm. And we call them sins. And uh, in the Hindi language that I spoke growing up, not, it was called a pop. And we all have the concept and the vocabulary of sin as some way falling short of God, probably the central idea. And so you compensate for sin in your life by goodness. Now, if I fall short of a human boss's expectations, I might get fired if I did really bad. That is justice. I get what I deserved. 
mercy would be, okay, I'm going to overlook this terrible performance review you've had, but you'll still have your job. I'm not going to give you the judgment that you deserve. That may be mercy. Grace would be, I'm going to come alongside of you, give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to coach you and make you even better so that I can actually give you a pay raise the next time. Who deserves that? So the difference between justice, giving what you deserve, mercy, okay, withholding what you deserve, grace, giving you what you, ne you can never, never deserve just because it is my nature to give, to lift you up. That was the kind of God that I met in the person of Jesus. That's incredible. Mm. And I think that comes back to, that is that second point actually that I want to talk yeah. about, which is grace, which is different than karma, yeah. you know, which is common uh, for a framework of understanding good and evil in, in Eastern religions, right. Hinduism, Buddhism. Also appears in Judaism, if you mm. read sort of early Jewish scriptures mm. um, that are part of the scriptures that we read the Bible. But then also I think everybody, even a-religious people would say, yeah, like you said, okay, good's got to outweigh the bad. And right. if I do good, I'll get good. If I do bad, I'll get bad. Like that's kind of what karma is. Grace comes in this totally different way. And I loved what you said. Um, not just justice, where you, you don't get what you do deserve. Yeah, you withhold what you deserve. Withhold, yeah, and then mercy. Um, but grace takes it to the place of relationship right. where I'm now involving myself. That's the key. In the remedy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, talk about the cross as it fits in that concept of grace. The cross being this picture of the fact that Jesus, who's God, comes and dies yeah. in our place. How is that an illustration of grace? Right. You know, and I want to actually say one more thing before I get to the cross. Mm. Uh, and that was the resurrection. I knew something about Christianity as a religion because then my, some of my friends were Christians. I went to a church at a Christmas time. Christmas time was their big holiday, like Diwali might be for us, exchanging sweets, getting new clothes. It was all just joyful celebrations all around. But I never heard about the resurrection of Jesus. And come to think of it, that's crucial because you can talk all you want about a God coming to have a relationship with you, but if he doesn't exist, how can you know somebody? Uh, Mahatma Gandhi was a great Indian leader and many people would follow his teachings of non-violence and many Christian leaders have followed that as well. Uh, but I can't have a relationship with him. He's gone. He's dead and gone a long time. I can't have a relationship with Abraham Lincoln, even though I might want to. I can't have a relationship with Jesus if he only lived 2,000 years ago. Mm. I can admire him as a great teacher. I can live by his teachings or try to, but I can't know him personally. So the resurrection of Jesus, that he's a living God today, was another radical thing. Uh, and then now this is where the cross comes in, which is say, okay, it's very nice to think of a God who withholds judgment, it goes even beyond mercy, but it overlooks one very important fact, God is holy. And even from a human experience, we know that somebody pays the price for forgiveness. There's no such thing as free forgiveness. If your child breaks my living room window, I can either... That's probably yeah, different. Yeah. I can either make you pay for it, you've got to fix my window, or I can forgive you, but my forgiving you isn't going to fix the window. Yeah, someone's I have pay. to pay for it in that yeah. case. So somebody has to pay, and this is where grace comes in, where God said, yeah, I am holy, you have broken my commandments, you have fallen short, what you deserve is justice. I'll withhold it from you, but I can't just overlook justice. I will take that justice upon myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the cross of Jesus began to fit in and make sense for me. It's beautiful. I think the third aspect of that, you know, this idea of the personal relationship with, with God, as opposed to, you know, conforming to uh, some standards to live, 
um, grace, you know, being a, a demonstration of mercy and justice and wrapped into this idea of God always closing the gap, you know, not just mm -hmm. once, right. to, be, to remain in relationship with us and taking that whatever payment needed to be made upon himself. But then the third aspect is then Jesus, you know, taught many things, but invited us to follow him. You know, mm. he said, um, you know, someone said that all religious founders, in a sense, uh, pointed people to the teachings because after they died, the teachings would live on. Right. And the teachings were greater than mm -hmm. the founders. Right. Uh, you even made a comment one time about that, that people said, you know, like, it doesn't matter if the founder, you know, the teachings are what's more important. Right. Yeah. Jesus actually said the opposite. He said, the teachings, my teachings testify, they point to the fact that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, follow me. Mm -hmm. How have you wrestled with that as saying, yeah, this is so not about religious yeah. faith in that sense, or mm. religious uh, observance. To be totally honest, I think I wouldn't have understood much about this when I was 17, 18 on this journey. But now looking back, I think I really understand something uh, which would explain why I was drawn to Jesus. And that is, this is where the Christmas, I talked about Good Friday, Jesus dying on the cross, significance of that, the resurrection, he's a living God. But where does Christmas fit in the incarnation? Because one essential aspect of the Christian faith was that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he was God, but he was also completely human. That in Jesus, we saw the beginning of a whole new stream of humanity. See, t the teaching simply says, just as you are, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Whereas the essence of grace is, not only am I willing to overlook when you fall short and help you, you can't do it by yourself, we need a whole new kind of humanity to break in upon this earth. And God said, I myself will become a human being, subject myself to the limitations of humanity, and in a relationship with God as Father, and he called God Father, God as Father, I will live his life through me. And so that's where the whole I am the way, the truth, and the life comes in. I'm not just truth in the sense of disembodied factual information about me. I am the truth as this living person, and you can actually share in my life. Mm. You know, one of the ways in which the religion that I grew up in say, puts it this way, that we have a divine spark in all one of us. And you know, that's one way of saying it. Jesus came to flesh that out. And he says, no, I put my life into yours. Mm -hmm. You don't have it it's naturally. It's true divine spark, Yeah, I put right? my life into you. And the very life of Christ is formed within us. We believe that the spirit of God formed Jesus in the womb of Mary. In the same way, that Holy Spirit forms the very life of Christ within us. So I think I'm saying that more clearly now. Mm -hmm. But that's probably what was buried in that statement. It's amazing. Mm. Um, we're going to pause the conversation here and the band's going to lead us in a song just as we process some of this. And I hope it's given you things to think about as you're wrestling even with your own faith journey, whether you're someone who said, well, I'm not there yet. I actually come from a different faith background or no faith background. Or you're someone who is a follower of Jesus to say, yeah, this is a story still unfolding in my life. You know, I'm still going to grow in my understanding of it. But we're going to pause here. We're going to come back to a little bit, just a, a, a postscript around, um, okay, so what does that mean for us as we are interacting with each other in a in a, with people of different religions, different mm. faith backgrounds, and how do we work this out ourselves if we're seeking or if we are someone who is a follower of Jesus. So we'll be back in a moment. I've been an actor on the stage 
want to continue this conversation, but I want to take it in a bit of a different direction. Um, more as we think about our own lives and ourselves, many of us mm. watching who um, say are following Jesus, but we have people in our family or a spouse or in our neighborhood, in our school who don't believe what we believe, don't agree with maybe even what we believe. So you're in this place where you come to faith as a young person. Um, you're now a follower of Jesus. Your parents, I think I remember you saying, you know, they, they didn't stop loving you through it, but it was hard for them. It was mm -hmm. disappointing for them, not mm -hmm. obviously what they had wanted for you and mm -hmm. probably more to do with, you know, sort of culture and family probably, and the circles yeah. than, than necessarily the beliefs themselves. How did you then think, okay, what does it mean for me to live out my faith, but with people that I love and who love me, but think very differently from me and maybe even wish I didn't believe what I believe? Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. did you think that through? I think I was really blessed in being born into a family Whereas you mentioned, I was really loved. And so, quite understandably, my parents' initial reaction would be a lot of disappointment and maybe grief because this would take them by surprise. There was no one in the family that they were aware of and this kind of thing didn't happen a lot. 
people you, didn't change faith. Yeah, you kind of more or less stayed in the religion that you were born in and, and stuff like that. However, precisely because, I guess, of the kind of loving family that we had, I was never rejected as a person. And I struggled. I struggled with the fact that what I had done, my explorations in faith, caused my parents grief, and that made me sad. Uh, but they never stopped me. They never stopped me from exploring. My mother was to say much later on uh, to my wife uh, that from the beginning, when he was a young boy, Sundar always had a passion for the truth. Mm. And so I think they encouraged me if not, in the beginning just by not discouraging me and then eventually um, beginning to have conversations. Uh, they first of all observed some changes that were taking place in me and some of my friends, uh, just one other friend that I grew up with uh, also, although he came from a different background than my own, also encountered the same kind of uh, relationship with Jesus and began to see some changes in our lives. So my mother would actually mention that to other friends of hers. And so there was some curiosity mm. that this faith seemed to have, not Christianity as a religion, but this faith in Jesus seemed to have some kind of impact on a person's life, the way they live. And so slowly, I would say disappointment and maybe grief gave way to acceptance, to neutrality, to positive interest. Mm. Not only just with my parents, but even a couple of my aunts and uncles, uh, because Indian people love to talk philosophically. And so uh, a couple of my aunts and uncles were very philosophically oriented. So they, were, they would welcome these kinds of discussions. And of course, that was in my wheelhouse. And so I loved these philosophical discussions. And now my mother, on the other hand, not being particularly oriented philosophically, wouldn't take part that much in those discussions. But basically, it was an atmosphere of acceptance where I could explore what I wanted to and was able to answer questions to the best of my abilities. I think one of the things when I reflect on your story um, that seems to me to be important in your own faith, but also in the way you related to many people around you who thought differently from mm -hmm. you, was you read and you studied and you were, it wasn't an a ending point for right. you, it was mm -hmm. a beginning. Mm -hmm. As you began to understand who Jesus was and then actually like read and because I think you need to grow in your own faith. And even as other people are asking you questions, it's meant to actually spur you on. And I think that's an important thing, you know, as we think about our own faith, like it's something that's meant to grow. We grow in a relationship with God, not to quote, have all the answers, but definitely I think people are going to ask us and they're going to test our faith in a sense of saying, why do you mm. believe that? Why would you change? Why would... And so I think growth in our faith is really important. Something you said to me years ago that it was... I think I've used this analogy before was like when you have a child and you first, when we had our kids and you first called us or you came to the hospital, said pictures, what we're talking about, the weight and how long was the delivery and how are they doing, right. and all yeah, that stuff, exactly. you know, how much do they weigh? But you know, uh, now when you call, if I said to you, Oh, when Noah was born, he was <laughs> seven pounds. You'd say, what? Like that's, you want to know what he's doing now. Right, right. It's this idea that new life, yes, mm -hmm. but growth is so a part of that new life. Mm -hmm. And I think I always appreciated that about you, <laughs> that you engaged in your growth to say, I need to grow and learn, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, just talk about that. Uh, well, I think, you. for example, respect for your parents is crucial. It, it would be so easy to think in the journey that I've been to say, oh, they're all wrong. I'm right. Mm -hmm. I know all the answers. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's foolish. Mm -hmm. Because as C.S. Lewis, one of my great mentors through his book said, it isn't that every religion is wrong and Christianity is right. In fact, don't talk about religions at all. Is that that what is hinted at it all fades comes to its fruition in the person of Jesus. Yeah, okay, say that again. Yeah. That's so good. What is hinted at in other faiths, in all other faiths, is comes to its final fulfillment and fruition in the person of Jesus. Therefore, my background in the Hindu faith and, and what my parents taught me prepared me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that was an interference. And so I was very thankful for the kind of upbringing that I had. Uh, I think they gave me a wonderful emotionally healthy upbringing. This is where Indian families generally with their interest in their children, uh, it might make for selfishness because we feel we have to be catered to. But on the other hand, we never grow up doubting our worth and our value. Mm. Children are so valued in every part of Indian culture. Like when we went to weddings, wedding invitations wouldn't be Mr. and Mrs. Would be Mr. and Mrs. and family and friends be invited, you <laughs> know? Another 17 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we were never, never excluded. And so we had a sense of belonging. So that community dimension of belonging laid such a strong, emotional, healthy foundation for us, you know. And I think that was one of the greatest gifts that my parents gave to me as well. And then the freedom to explore truth as well. Uh, I think that was another huge, huge gift that they gave to me. But for my part, to honor them, to still be the best student that I was, uh, because they invested in my education. Uh, and then I went to MIT and got a... A master's degree in mechanical engineering, got a good job. Which we're going to talk about next week, yeah. by the way. And these are all ways in which you bring honor to your parents. Not just to cater to image and things like that, mm -hmm. but that my son brought credit to our family. Mm -hmm. And so I think to continue to honor your parents uh, was a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, that's to good. do well. I think that would be the biggest uh, positive environment yeah. I think that we grew up in. That's important because I think it's not a saying, okay, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, I live perfectly or whatever. Right. But my faith in Jesus should make a difference such that my friends and family are blessed by it. Right. That yeah. even if they don't want to believe it, they're glad I do. Right, yeah, exactly. Right? That's uh -huh. such a beautiful perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay, last thing. Um, you know, um, there may be people watching and I know there are people who call the well home who are not followers of Jesus. They're here because you're here because you're trying to work this mm. out, which I love. I'm so thankful. This part of why we planted this church is for those who, not just for everyone who believes, but who those who want to explore faith and understand. So um, how, what would you encourage someone who's from a different faith background or no faith background who's been exploring to say, okay, how do you go on this journey? Um, this is real for you firsthand because my grandfather, your father, af 30 years after you right. became a follower of Jesus, mm. he became a follower of right, Jesus. Yeah. But I know growing up in our home, they lived with us for a number of years. Uh, you were helping him on his journey. So what would you say to someone like you would say to your father as he was sort of has questions and exploring mm -hmm. things that helped you, things that you think any honest sincere seeker would be helped by in their journey of faith. Mm. I think one of the most important things my dad was willing to do was to ask questions and read. He would ask me questions, but they weren't questions intended to get people into an argument or to win brownie points. They were questions that came out of a genuine hunger to know. Okay, I have this question, I have that question. And because my parents lived with us for 20 years, and that's how beautifully our, record, our relationship was preserved throughout this whole journey in the latter years of their life. And you know that they lived with us. They lived for over 20 years with us. And during that time, my father and my mother would come to church 
uh, and worship with us. And so he, he would ask me questions. And I would say, you know what, you might want to read this particular book. And he always read the book and came back with more questions. So I, I would say, uh, make sure your questioning is honest with a desire to learn. And so that's the one step most important thing. Uh, secondly, I think even though he would not have put it that way, he actually became good friends with many people in the church that I worshipped in. He was part of a community of people uh, as well. And so I think it would be very helpful for you where possible to experience corporate worship in a setting because sometimes you experience the presence and the nearness of God when you are in the presence of other people worshipping that you cannot do by yourself. It's one of the mysteries where one of the things Jesus said was where two or three people are gathered together in my name, there I am present. Mm. And so there's a sense in which you experience the reality of his presence that transcends just our mental, rational faculties. That's not to put them at hold. That's why I said study and ask questions, but then being part of that community. And then thirdly, this is something I would add now, I wouldn't have known at that point, is that if God has made you with some talents and some abilities, and there might be some things that the church's mission does, maybe helping the poor in your community or even stacking chairs after a meeting somewhere, because that's how you are wired to serve and to help. Well, get involved. Get involved in the community life of that. And so, because some people are wired intellectually like me, other people are wired much more relationally. Remember I said that the essence of the Christian faith is not agreement with certain ideals or truths, but a relationship with the living God, Jesus often shows himself to us in other people who mm. worship him. So in getting involved in the lives of others, we begin to experience him as well. So I think those were three things that my father did, all of them, uh, not even because he had a perfect understanding of all this. He asked questions, he experienced and got a taste of worship together, and he actually hung around with people, you know. Yeah, like when we would have people over to our home, my mom and dad would wash all the dishes and talk to people and become part of the, the life of the community, even though they weren't formally part of that. Yeah, that's good. And that's good for you to know that, is that you are welcomed into community right. uh, here, even when you'd say, well, I don't know if I believe everything. Yeah, but you can still belong. And mm -hmm. that can actually play an important part in your own faith journey. Well, Dad, thanks so much for That's this. Been a uh, I think one of the things I have benefited so much, not only from you teaching me about Jesus, but this, your own journey of encouraging me to think and dialogue and wrestle for myself. Um, the band's going to lead us in a song of response. And then I want to invite you to just get the stuff ready that you have for communion. We're actually going to do that here together yeah. in a COVID-friendly way, of course. <laughs> um, but just take a few moments, whatever you have, bread, crackers, and juice of any kind. And uh, in, in a moment, we're going to gather and uh, celebrate that um, together.